Neighbors over for s'mores. Wow! During the during the Deep Great Freeze, freeze. Well, that's a couple years ago, was it? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. neighborhoods coming together, doing what government can't. But that was the old Great Freeze. This is the new Great Freeze. Yeah. That yeah, I don't know what's going right on now. there. None of, none of our friends have uh, said anything. Fuck it. Maybe they're frozen. <laughs> they might be. They might be. You have to go out there and chisel them well, up. Texas can't handle cold. My understanding is not only are they there are a lot of houses without power. A lot of houses also don't have running internet and or cell phone service right now well, so oh my god yeah the cell phone service <clears throat> saved my life when i was frozen oh yeah oh yeah because that's all we did was we uh we ran a generator thank mm-hmm. fuck we had a generator and uh, we ran the generator to charge our phones and to, and to charge the fridge so we didn't have to throw everything out um so we were real thankful that we got that um before the freeze because it would have charged us way more after uh but it was just Playing on my phone the entire time because what else is there to do? Yeah, yeah. What, what was your what's your phone? I mean, go-to? you certainly couldn't just my talk. phone go to. Yeah. Well, now it's board game arena. But what was it then, though? Oh, dude, I don't know. Some dumb free game I downloaded. <laughs> vanilla chicks love chocolate. No, no, it's Sticks. vanilla sluts love chocolate dicks. Oh, vanilla sluts. Which, by the way, you know anyone who wants <sighs> a, a, oh, a forwarder. Is free to, to write me and ask for one. You don't need to know be what? a Kofi member. I feel no, you so don't. silly. Just take one. I just you went know? through the whole routine of developing a new work email, and I could have just yeah, I could have just run off of you could have just sluts. put my mouth to work at Vanilla Sluts Love Chocolate. <laughs> Barry, I I, I feel put Barry's like mouth to work at Vanilla Sluts Love Chocolate. Make Kirsten work for it at. <laughs> I, I, I frequently, every time you bring that up, I feel like Henry Jones Sr. from uh, Last Crusade going, Indiana, let it go. Vlarg, let it go. Never. Uh, I'm going to own that domain until I die. Then fall, then fall into that pit and die. Whenever you uh, quote Last Crusade, Barry mm-hmm. just sits there and goes, I was the other guy. <laughs> what? You know. No. I'm as human as the next man. And he's yes, like, yes, I, I was, was the, the next, next man. man. I know the quote. I don't understand the the context. I was just life. throwing shit out there. I'm lonely over here on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, Deb's not here today. So. I know. It's like I got to be lonely or I got to be poked and pushed. And I'll poke and push you if just, you want. Just, just nah. kick him under the table there, Barry. Make him feel wanted. Dude, his feet can't reach. <laughs> Short joke. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit there, Kirsten. Well, also, oh! short joke. You know, it's amazing. It was a low blow. <laughs> Another short joke. <laughs> We've sunk to an all new low. Another oh. short joke. The hits keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> I could keep going, but I think I've made my point. What point? I'm waiting for another one. <laughs> oh, there, there is no point. Barry is short. Uh, I did not even know that. Well, it's hard to tell on an audio show there you go well, that's why we paint the picture andy's <laughs> not tall but andy could sit at a table man spread like a mother and stretch his feet completely across the floor so and he is the then he is the table yeah. Andy, yeah. andy is not a large man but he takes needs, up a lot he of need, space he, yeah exactly he you you must give him a wide berth because <laughs> his yeah beyond his, spill radius exactly the 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 <laughs> Radius for danger 
for him is massive. <laughs> There's a splash zone around. If you Andy. are within Andy's his, Schwarzschild radius, <laughs> you are within his sphere of influence. You will get knocked over, Spilled splashed on. on yeah. Uh, somehow have something Bumped. knocked over on you. Footsies. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes, yeah. inadvertent footsies from Andy. Is yeah. always a joy. Oh, it's just like, man, it, it, God damn it. Oh, I thought that was a table leg. No, yeah. you didn't. <laughs> man, it wasn't even someone hot. Our near, a new tier five reward is footsie <laughs> with Andy. Oh. <laughs> you want to Sign me right up. Was? That's what it was. Footsie with Andy. And I've had it for free to have fun. <laughs> And suddenly we lost all our Kofi subscribers. <laughs> well, tier five. <laughs> wow. Tier four has exploded. <laughs> tier five is decimated. Yeah, what happened? What What the hell? <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shack number 674. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And Vlar. And we're here to talk weak and geek. Stole geek. that hand credit. You know what? Is it really stealing if they're not here to own it? Oh, somewhere she's livid right now because... <laughs> I'm going to get calls. In fact, I I just sat right up and she's like, God damn it. Someone just walked over my grave. (laughs) Damn it. Oh, must clean the house. (laughs) I I expect a text message from her any moment on Barry's phone going, did you just take my Ann credit? (laughs) It could very well happen. She probably has has a sixth sense for such things. Yeah. Uh, just a quick ups for all you Kofi members, uh, tier three and higher. I am almost done with the mini. We'll be giving away that one next week. I've already selected the next mini. I think you're really going to like the next one. Uh, I, I keep saying this because it's true. Uh, this next one will be the largest mini we've given away so far that I've painted. Ooh. It was originally a mini I was going to keep for my own collection. I'm like, no, nah, I'm giving this away. I think uh, a Kofi member would appreciate this. So I've, I've already started work on it. Uh, but uh, but I'll announce it here after we give away this mini, uh, which is as, as someone pointed out in the Kofi is uh, has a very strong resemblance to Maple Leaf Matt. So mm. uh, so I might as well go just call this the Maple Leaf Matt mini. <laughs> All right then. Yeah. So, very there it is. So we'll give away uh, Maple Leaf next week uh, to tier three and above. Uh, but that being said, gentlemen, what what geeky things did you do this week? I, Vlar, go ahead. Uh, well. I did a lot of stuff. Uh, Deb was out of town, so of course I don't know what to do with myself and how to live like a human being. So of course he I doesn't. Call I, yeah, I don't. He so, feeds the cat, and that's about the only like scheduled thing he does when he's well, flying solo. Very responsible of you. I I applaud and toast, well, toast your choices. He would forget to feed the cat if Bartimaeus didn't like howl at the top of his lungs. I'd forget to feed myself. Yeah, if my stomach didn't tell me, hey, you should eat now. Ah. Yeah, but I did get to play some uh, uh, some some great board games that I have never played for whatever reason. Ah. Power Grid. That's a classic. Is a classic game. It's from two thousand and four. Uh, it it's got, it rates a seven point eight on Board Game Geek. It's uh, it's a little complex. It's three point two six out of five. It's a complex game, and I needed people who know how to play complex games. So I got Kirsten and I got Major Meh, and we figured out how to play it. Turns out we were playing it wrong. But we know that now. Okay. Yeah. So the first game always has an asterisk beside it. Sure. Um, it's about uh, connecting power grids across either America yeah. or Germany um, and powering them with resources you buy. You buy coal. You buy uh, oil. Garbage. and uh, <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> garbage. Barry oh. became the garbage baron. 
Garbage. Am Boys, I, that's the future. Am I surprised? <laughs> Being from New Jersey, am I surprised? <laughs> but no, it's a really fun game, and yeah. it's not as complex as I thought it was. No. No. It, once, there's, there's a lot to, to learn, but once it gets rolling... You, you get it. You understand. Okay, now I under, now I yeah. see what I'm supposed to do. So you're going to play one game, you're going to fuck it up, and the next game you'll be gold. You know what? I, I, I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing an, another Geek Shock segment here. What's that? Asterisk Games. And th- this is the first time we, we uh, a bunch of us play a board game. It's and like we're learning it. It's well, like your alpha <clears throat> test. <clears throat> yeah. Kinda. There's there's also <clears throat> other asterisk games that we, I can't say asterisk. Asterisk. <laughs> asterisk. It's not easy. No. Um, games that we've played, like the time that uh, you screwed up Lords of Waterdeep by playing that one card you shouldn't have had. I screwed it up. Well, okay. The it, card was there. I bought it. Nobody, you know, else saw it, and it just belonged to a, an expansion, and it shouldn't have. It been was there. a forty-point oh. card, and it was the only one there. Oh, that was your fault. So no. you won the game. Asterisk. By the way, we played more wards. I well, no, that's me. Never mind. I'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Kirsten uh, just whooped my ass brutally at the DC deck. Oh my god! Like normal, he had. He had such infinitely bad luck. Dude, oh. I had Aquaman. Oh, okay. He not had the, Superman. Not the strongest of characters to start with. Yeah, Aquaman. well, I played the living hell up. One of the things about Aquaman, it's you can put any card you gain that's uh, cost five or less on the top of your deck, which means you purchase a card, you can immediately use it next round. The trick to Aquaman is remembering to use his fucking power, <laughs> which I always <laughs> forgot. This game, I managed to remember. And poor Barry. <laughs> made all the difference. There were no superpowers coming up for old soups on his draws. And I beat the living shit out of him. We used all of the supervillains. <sighs> two player, they recommend only eight. And I had all of them but two. You doubled my score. And one of the two he had was Captain Cold. <laughs> it was just it was 121 awful. to 64. That's were, a walloping. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He did. He did though manage a uh, um, three suicide a, a natural squads. suicide squad tray, which uh, so, which for people who don't know uh, makes everyone else at the table discard their entire hand. So which basically gives you another. Turn. There's no defending. There's no nothing. It's it's done. And then what? Do, and then what do I draw the next for my second turn? <laughs> Fucking garbage. <laughs> Vulnerability, vulnerability, vulnerability. Superman's ass. (laughs) Superman's ass. That was that was wonderful. We also played uh, Seven Wonders Architects. Ah, fantastic! Yes, that's one of my favorites. I didn't realize you had that physically. Oh yes, I do, and I love it. That's one of my games that uh, that's like a five out of five for me, and I will always play that game if if given a choice. But another geeky thing I did just today, I watched. And it was basically just me and just a couple other people at any given time. Uh, watched King Bald ah. uh, stream uh, Hogwarts Legacy. He just got just released today for him. Um, and it's a good game. It looks like a good... Now, King Bald is a terrible player at that oh, game. Oh, is he not? <laughs> and I have told him so. All he did was pet cats, play with balls, and run around in his underwear. Yeah, that- but what game did he play? <laughs> <laughs> You really put the foot in the butter. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, that already sounds like an amazing game. 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, right play- up Torgo's alley. <laughs> cats all- play with balls, run around in my underwear. I call it Tuesday. All, all he needs to do is harvest weeds on his runs. Oh, no, you can do that, too. Oh, there you, you, can, go. you can harvest ah, Todd, you're it's, set. It's mine. That's it. <laughs> it looks like... It, uh, it's it's a very cool looking game and it looks very deep and I can't wait to play it myself and I, normally I wait for a while before I buy like a new game because I don't want to spend all that money but I think I'm gonna spend the money on this one oh. and actually buy it when it's relatively new. <laughs> so uh, I it looks real fun and it's fun to watch and uh, comment to, to Kingvald as well while he's doing it. Oh, I'll bet that's uh, that's got to be a joyful moment. Oh, oh yes. What else you do, man? That's about it. Okay, you watched King Vald play Harry Potter and played some board games. That's uh, that's a decent yeah, amount of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, what'd you do? Um, I started watching that '90s show on Netflix. That's the sequel to the that sequel to that '70s show. show. Yeah. Well, I technically it's like the second. It's the direct sequel to that '70s show, but it's the second spinoff because they did that '80s show for a little while, but they tried to set it with a completely new cast and set of characters so ah, it didn't do it didn't as well yeah. this one's already been approved for a second season although where i'm at so far it has some good chuckle moments and they do bring back some of the original cast members for little guest appearances but it's definitely more focused on uh red and uh kitty's granddaughter so eric's daughter uh staying with them for the summer in Wisconsin, so... I assume still a traditional sitcom. Yes. Um, I would say the only problem I have with it is they build up for jokes that... It's like they're right on the cusp of something really brilliant, and then they kind of take it back a little bit. That would be my one chief complaint. Is like, the comedy is there. The setup is great. I think the more veteran actors, you know, get away with that kind of stuff because they're, you know, they've been doing this for so long, but... Uh, the younger kids that are in this are are really good actors. Don't get me wrong. I think it's I think it's a writing problem because I don't feel like they're taking advantage of all of the the talents of the characters. But it is the first season, so I'm interested to see what they do with the second season because they did just announce, I believe it was late last week, that they got um, approved for a second season on Netflix. So um, it's it's interesting um, seeing them play with some of the the '90s tropes because it's supposed to be like 1995 i believe uh so it's supposed to be approximately 25 years after uh the events of this that 70s show so um i'm just i'm still kind of checking it out seeing what where it goes uh I, I think i'm a couple episodes away from the end of this this season so far but yeah i mean it's it's got potential i guess that's what i'm trying to say it feels like it's got potential to be as good as the original, but I also feel like the last few seasons of the original kind of trailed off. Are the kids? Do they have that that good uh, synergy toward, you know, with one another? Like they, they play the off of each other very well. Yes, okay. all of the all of the 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 I call them child actors, but they're all teenagers and and then early twenties. But they play off of each other very well. Um, I feel like it, part. I'll I'll give you one perfect example. They really play up the awkwardness of the Leia character. That's the that's Eric's daughter. He named her Leia? Yes. Of course he did. <laughs> oh. He, he, he's a professor at a college in Chicago, and he teaches a course on Star Wars. 
That's the one of the first things they say Dream in, the, job. in the pilot episode. Yeah, really. <laughs> so, Barry's getting more and more interested in this. Song. Uh, but yeah, they they I think they're trying to really play up the fact that that she's his daughter because in the original, you know, Eric is a very awkward teen. But he did it more, you know, it was more of a natural awkwardness. This feels kind of forced in some of this. And again, I don't think it's the acting. I think it's the writing. But mm. it's gotten a little better as the season's gone on. It didn't feel so forced. But that, like I said, that's just my opinion. Uh, I don't know who else may have seen it. But, um, you know, it's, like I said, it's got, it's got potential. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with the second season. Mm. So, But that's, that's uh, pretty much all I got to do this week because I had a crazy weird schedule and i worked six days straight so uh, are one of those, sitcoms like dead are they are, are they dying well that's the interesting thing is um i don't know if this one is shot before a studio audience and it's canned laughter but my understanding was that some segments are shot before um a studio audience which is a thing that is dying in sitcoms Darren did get to go to a taping of the new Night Court that's on mm. NBC. Uh, and he said that, you know, that was a lot of fun because they don't really do a lot of those anymore. A lot of those are closed sets. Shot like the traditional sitcom, but not, yeah. not, um, not done in front of a studio audience yeah. to yeah. kind of see how the jokes land but the, in front of a The sitcom's audience. always dying. Yeah, well, it was dead. It was dead when uh, the Cosby Show came yep. up in the eighties. You know, you're you're not was, wrong. It was dead when uh, Seinfeld kind of redefined things and Friends came along. I feel like it's 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 weird because it feels like sitcoms are always trying to reinvent themselves. They have to, but I feel like they always keep coming back to a core formula that it's like, well, let's try to do this because it's different, it's wild, it's unique, it's never been done before. And like, then, like cop rock, and then when it turns out to be successful, Dude, it's no. because they've gone back to yeah. some of these core right. values and ideals and ideas, I should say. Uh, Don't that say sitcoms cop have rock. done. <laughs> someone will hear it and want to do it again. Oh, that'd be great! Yeah. Reboot that already. Stop. Yeah, I think I think Jeff that the formula is actually kind of tried and true. But yeah, I think sitcoms probably work when they. I don't want to say topical and mean news topical, but yeah. sort of zeitgeist or culturally topical. Right. And that's when they think, I think that they really kind of, that's when they hit it. And so, so they try funky stuff. It doesn't hit. But if they hit that cultural uh, pulse. Right. Then they're on to something. Well, yeah. Personally. I mean, it's, you know, they're always trying to be quote unquote edgy and I know. push the boundaries, especially like. And nobody can be yeah. geek shock. Well, no, and it, it's really funny too, because I remember when Friends was out, <laughs> there were so many sitcoms that were trying to be oh, Friends. Oh, they tried. And that was a lightning in a bottle moment because it yeah. just, it's, all of those actors played well together. Yes. All of those actors took the material and made it their own. Mm -hmm. So you had. You had and, a, a, a tre and tremendous. You're talking about writing for yes, ninety show. A tremendous, tremendous writing. Tremendous writing. Yes. That's that writers room was fantastic, and they have all split off to do other bigger things. As there well. were things they did that got cringy. Well, oh, yes. Well, yeah. There any I, any serious moment on that show was always cringy for me. It's like, look, this is a comedy. I'm here for comedy. I don't want to see. Well, your you know, <laughs> what's it, as with any 
show that goes on for a, a period of time, you know, when it's rediscovered in reruns, etc. There's some cringy moments that don't play well. Oh, I no, mean, there was cringy moments stuff, when I was watching it live. <laughs> I tell you what show has never had cringy, serious moments. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That show. Well, that's gold. All the cringe. Entire yeah, way that's that, that show is all about cringe. Yes, though. gold. Like, the, it, no, not like like cringy, serious. Like now we're gonna like, like on a very special blossom. That shit. I don't want to see that that episode. I don't want to see a very a very special on a very special. Always Sunny with Philadelphia. The gang does nothing funny. What <laughs> <laughs> the. No, I don't want to see that. Yes, bad people being bad is a yes. a fun thing to watch. There you go. Oh, how wonderful. Okay, so uh, <laughs> given this discussion... I tried to inject rum into a ham. It didn't work. You are... Well, Sunny in Philadelphia. You just... You You are <laughs> the embodiment of that. When I turn that on, I'm like, oh, I'm looking in Barry's soul. There That's what go. I see. There you this go. is what goes on in my head. Yeah. So uh, given that the, the, the death of the sitcom part seven... <laughs> it's more more like part 2,596. Uh, so what is your favorite sitcom of all time, Jeff? Oh, my God. Of all time. That's a tough one. You can one. choose one. I can choose one. Only one. God damn it. Ooh, I know. I know. Go ahead. Now, let's, let's you're, all clar- get, you're all getting the question. I, let's clarify this. Are we talking like 80s style, half hour format, laugh track or or audience sitcom or are we talking like always sunny type of sitcom always sunny well, is not I, I don't consider that a situation i don't problem. consider there are, that a there are sitcom, two that yeah. immediately come to yeah, mind right. there are two that immediately come to mind and i'm sure i could come up with more if i had more time to think about it but the two that immediately come to my uh to my brain are the original night court and uh seinfeld those okay. were two that now, season one, Seinfeld was a little rough. They were still finding their footing. But, man, that show, when it hit, it hit hard. I mean, the the laughter, uh, I was dying laughing watching that. Cause, and it might have been just the right age that I was approaching it. But I remember, uh, as far as Nightcore is concerned, that was something my whole family watched. And I remember just belly laughing with, you know, my dad, my mom. Uh, my sisters were a little, I think, a little young for it. But they found parts of it that they found entertaining. But I mean, I still remember Brent Spiner coming on and being uh, the uh, the redneck character uh, whose name escapes me right now. But anytime he was on, oh my god, that character he would make me laugh hysterically. Um, and then of course, just Seinfeld, the the interaction with the four main characters, just the bizarreness of it. It just like the situations they would get themselves into that you're sitting there going, I think this would never happen to a normal person. Then you're like, well, wait, no, this actually has potential that could happen to somebody. It probably wouldn't, but I could see how one choice would make the events of this particular episode happen. So, but yeah. All right. So okay, those are the two like that, so, that right. It said immediately oh, coming up. Right. Okay. To mind. Jeff has laid out the, uh, the standard then you can choose two. So uh, if you have one, one's fine. But if you, ha- if you can't choose between the two, two's fine. Uh, so, Barry, how about you? I contend that Always Sunny is a, is a oh, sitcom. Fuck, it is a sitcom. Cheater, cheater. You know how I know? Either. I just looked it up on Google. Is it a sitcom? Yes, this is an American oh, sitcom. Oh, Google. Yes. Well, why isn't it? Why wouldn't it be a sitcom? Well, it's a I situation guess, comedy. Well, I, by that aspect, uh, just about everything is a situation comedy. Right. Dallas is a situation comedy if you find boring things funny. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so I'm thinking Dallas. you're going to give me two, then I'm going to say Always Sunny. Okay, I'll, you go ahead. We're going to give you that one for the sake of not arguing. Would you say Arrested Development is a situation comedy? Yes. I, yeah, yeah, that one is. Yeah. yeah I want to go with that. Okay. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Makes, Arrested make, Development. Makes some sense. It's a smart show about a bunch of dumb people, except for, you know, main guy. <laughs> Kirsten? I, you know, for me, yeah, I don't watch. There's a no lot wrong of, answer. Yeah, I know. I don't watch a lot of situation. Well, Cop Rock would be the wrong answer. I'm not up on uh, things Cop like always Arrested wrong. Development. I uh, there's also. Um, I swear to God, if you say Maud, well, Maud was pretty good, but um, I think there's Maud. But um, actually, uh, if I'd watched more of it, I would say Parks and Rec. Because oh, that, that was yeah. that's an extraordinary show. Uh, that was sure, you know. But um, I'm act, I'm actually going to definitely say '70s show. Okay. I really like the hell out of that show. I rem, I remember it was funny. I in syndication, uh, I would watch it on break at Star Trek, and a couple of people told me that I kind of got them into the show <laughs> just because they were always in the break room and I was watching it. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. See, I'm thinking about sitcoms like Night Court and right. Cheers and shit like that, which I totally forgot about one that I have watched through uh, the the, mm-hmm. uh, the entire way twice. The League. You don't know The League? What's The League? Oh, my God. You don't know about this? What's The, what's the League? Okay. Do you know The League? Okay. Mm. How have you people missed The Jeff, League? Jeff, what's The League? I'm. He's got me. Am I the only person here who's watched the league on I, FFX? I Are you what, serious? I think it's one of those shows that it's in his brain. He can only watch yes. it himself, but he thinks he's watched it. Right. It's he, like Candle Cove. He, he was. Yeah. He was drunk, passed out, and saw the whole season. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're gonna think this is totally out of character for me. Hmm. It's about a fantasy football league. Okay. First off, I don't like sports. Holy shit. How does he like this show? Because it is piss your pants funny. Um, Nick Kroll is in it. Okay. Uh, but just a bunch of guys um, that you've probably seen, and they're fucking hilarious. Okay. Well. Um, and half the time, you know, it centers around the, their football league, but they do dumb, crazy shit. Um, like one of the best episodes, they're not even in. It's, it's uh, Seth Rogen. And that one Indian guy who's crazy and everything. I forget his fucking name. Jason Matsutakis or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. Oh, my God. All they do is go around and cause trouble. And it's watch the show. Give it a shot. You're going to like it. If not, I'll give you your money back. Okay. There you go. Well, if we're accepting anything, everything sunny Philadelphia... Uh, then I have to put Con Man as one of my favorites. That's oh, a great yeah. one. Uh, that's, that's a good one. Just in the modern style, if you will. Nerdy, hilarious, especially if you're into geeky cons. It's full of in-jokes for that. Uh, if we're going classic, traditional, uh, I'm going to cheat a little and do two uh, because they're kind of sister shows, and that is uh, Facts of Life and uh, Different Strokes. What? Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. I loved Facts of Life as a kid. See, I thought you were going to say something I remember like Degrassi, that. <clears throat> which wasn't really sick. No, that's, 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 sitcom. No, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a drama. You know, Cheers, that's a hard drama. Cheers is another one that always pops up in my brain. Now sure. That I, that, that's, I can watch that anytime. Like, if it comes on TV, I will watch an episode and that's okay. slap my ass off still. And, and I, I will give some honorable mentions to uh, Married with Children. 
Mm. And I'll also throw one out for uh, just the ten of us. Uh, mm. a very, very forgotten sitcom, mostly because it, it, it was a it's exactly what it sounds like a family of ten people. Oh, all the kids. Um, but uh, frankly, if it almost seems like it's the the, the basis of too many cooks, but. <laughs> Uh, it also starred Heather Langenkamp, and Heather Langenkamp could do no wrong. Did it ever feel like when when Alf was on that that was such Barry's, a hit or, Barry's got hit that, or that, miss sitcom? Barry's got that look on his face. Heather Langenkamp is the lead actress in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Oh! Yeah, yeah just the ten of us. Done. Yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. Uh, Alf, yes. It always felt like it was such a, it, it had some genuinely funny moments, but it always felt like it was just hit or miss. As far as like sitcoms go, it felt it, like there were times funny. they were trying to be too serious. It really wasn't funny, but it was fun. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, sure didn't yeah. end fun. Oh, and and my <laughs> second, Trauma. my second one yes. is definitely soap. Oh, geez. oh wow, soap. That was, was a game changer. Soap. Yeah, soap was definitely one of the most amazing things out there. I, Very short lived, and but it was just. I amazing. didn't get to watch it a lot because it was. I was really young when that came out. Yeah, yeah. I remember my mother liked it a lot, yeah. um, but it wasn't one of those stay up and watch shows with mom kind of shows. It was that's mom's show. It's her time to watch TV. It's <laughs> her story. So I, story. I, I didn't, I didn't really get to see full episodes of that till I was much older. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I just don't ever think of that one except in the fact that that was in terms of that was a show that my mom watched. It was extraordinary. Benson was a nice little spinoff, mm-hmm. but uh, Benson I remember vividly though. Yeah. That's the weird thing. <clears throat> well, it was it uh, it went on for a while too. Benson, went fact, on. It, yeah, it went on a lot longer than because well, soap, soap was what two seasons. I think and it then, was two, and that was it. And, I'll have to look at. And he left soap to do Benson in the second season. Right. So, yeah. You, you know what? We'll, we'll continue this discussion on the Kofi. Uh, what's your favorite sitcoms and why, Kofi members? I'm curious to know. Uh, as far as what I did this week, uh, well, I, I want to bring up something I talked about a while ago. Uh, I, a while back, I finished Salvation by Peter F. Hamilton, mm. a sci-fi novel that I picked up sight unseen. Never really heard about it prior to. Should have. It's Hamilton's been doing this a while and apparently been doing it well. Uh, this was the first novel in what turns out to be a series. Very similar if you've read uh, Hyperion by Dan Simmons, mm. where it's uh, Dan Simmons' Hyperion is a group of people on a journey in a planet, and the book is actually just a series of short stories and novellas about these people telling a wider world-building story. That's kind of what this is, the, the whole... Uh, basis of these stories is the world in about 70 years from now they teleport not teleportation but uh uh, quantum portals have been created so you know cars are no longer needed because you can just walk into a portal and go to taiwan or or uh to another planet and all of the changes that has created in the world because of it and then exacerbated by a alien species that uh, are on a pilgrimage to the center of the universe and stop on the way because they need more energy and give us more technology along the way and uh, thus creating not necessarily a utopia definitely not that but improving the lives of many and causing other problems on top of it fantastic writing uh, it's a 
the first novel of a series, but you could stop with this one and be fine with it. Is it like a case for the Prime Directive? Uh, no, not not really. Um, hmm. uh, it's 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 is like the way I went into it. I recommend learning very little about it before going into it. Uh, but all the characters are so very well developed. Uh, there, sci-fi in my brain comes in two categories. Hard sci-fi, where the characters mean nothing, it's more about ideas, and they tend to be dry. And then there are character-based sci-fi, which tend to edge more towards uh, space opera and stuff like that, where it's more about character and world-building and, and emotion. And this falls more into that category. So it's a very, very easy read to start. Uh, if you're not into sci-fi, this is, I would, this is a good place to start. If uh, if you've never tried a book like this, uh, it's again it's called Salvation by Peter F. Hamilton, and then the end of the book, every it flips itself on its head and says, "Oh, everything you've been reading so far, actually, this book is about this." And then, oh, if you want to know more, read the next book. Where would Old Man's War fit in that? Se- the second second category. It's space, hard sci-fi. It's, no, se- no, it's the opposite. It is uh, space opera through and through. It's a, more about emotions. Got some neat. It's got just, some just very be, cool concepts. It's great. Con, it's not about concept in sci-fi. It's about how those concepts are treated. If the story is about just the concept, usually those kind of stories tell themselves over like a millennia, and you're not really about characters, but how technology advances in a society. Because I remember trying to read like a Doctoro uh, novel mm-hmm. about something, and I. I I can't even remember what it was because I didn't even finish it because I couldn't get through it. It was he's too, real techie. He's real techie. It's too much. Uh, like, like I had to learn a glossary just to get through the first chapter. I'm like, really? Like uh, Arthur C. Clarke's Childhood's End. That's a fine example of a the, the first hard category where there are human characters, but they're not really fleshed out as humans. They are vehicles to advance the plot. Mm. And so it's still a good book. I enjoyed Childhood's End, mm. but there's no emotional connection to it. It's it's got some neat ideas and some explore some ideas about how we treat vis- things visually in the world. Uh, but it comes down to it; it's not an emotionally connective book. Like Foundation, Foundation is not emotionally connective. It's about ideas over time. Uh, this is not that. This is about people and how they react, how technology changes society, and it's really, really. Fun, 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 fun. Because when I started realizing what this book was, I was like, oh, shoot. Because I, I read Hyperion. Hyperion was all right. I, I, I liked it to a point. Uh, but then I realized that was kind of what it was. I'm like, okay. Because uh, I don't, don't want to just start over every few chapters telling a brand new story about this character, a new story about this character. But every single one of these stories was great. Friggin' action-packed, amazing very not not broken people but definitely uh flawed individuals that are very very interesting cool. so, oh yes uh so I, then i've started reading a book that i'm halfway through now i'm not sure how i feel about it but it's been a fascinating journey and it almost edges toward that first edge of version of sci-fi even though it takes place right here on earth in this time and the book is called the animals in that country by laura jean mckay uh, it, it takes place in Australia, and there is a flu outbreak that happens, a pandemic of sorts, uh, but they call it the zoo flu because it starts changing your mind and you start to become being able to understand animals. 
And okay. Okay. The uh, the, the per- new zoo flu review. Uh, but it's not not Doctor Doolittle style. This is written by a person who has a degree in animal biology and behavior, and she writes the animals how you, they probably would speak. Because when the pe- person is talking to the animals or the people are communicating with the animals, it's not through voice. They are reading scents. They are reading shakes of fur. They are reading uh, mm. just just the little twitches that animals communicate with one another in species. And your brain is now able to translate that to a point and it starts to break society down because some people are going mad because all the rats in the trees are talking at once or the their dog they realize sees them as a jailer or just they just can't handle this new information and it's not easy to process because the animals don't talk in sentences they talk in ideas and the way that they see the world which is completely different from ours so even though they're communicating in a form of english so to speak with the way the brain sees it it still almost comes off as haiku poetry okay that's really neat the, hmm. the, the main I bet my cat hates me. Oh, without a doubt. Um, <laughs> Your uh, cat the, hates everyone except Deb. Gerson's cat hates him. Look at the scratches on his hands. The main character is a worn-out alcoholic grandmother that works at a animal sanctuary in Australia. And that's where it starts. Until her uh, granddaughter is kidnapped by her no-good son to, after he gets the zoo flu. Because uh, uh, the animals that are out and free, there's more that, that cults that are developing around them. Uh, so he's kidnapped her so he can take her to the coast to hear what the whale song really says. And she's trying to get her back with a dingo that uh, she... Baby. Yeah, darn right. <laughs> Damn it, beat me to that. <laughs> uh, that she had befriended uh, on a... Befriend is very, very, very in quotes because it's a very, very tense relationship. I'm halfway through it and it's fascinating. Um, it's, I don't know if I call it emotionally engaging, but it's the ideas that it, com- that it conveys are so interesting. I can't wait to see where this goes. Well, we know what the whale song's about. Yeah, what is it? It's the aliens. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Star Trek Four. man. Yeah, they're, 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 they're going to save us. We have to save them first. That's the point, people of that movie. Save them because they're going to save you. Uh, so, yeah, the animals in that country. Uh, the, again, Laura Jean McKay is the author. Well, that's the worst country to have that happen in. Oh, yeah. Everything wants to kill you over there, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's And it's, it's fascinating. And just seeing how society breaks apart because it psychologically can't handle knowing what animals think. It's huh. fascinating. Uh, I have been playing the hell out of uh, Midnight Suns, Marvel Midnight Suns still. Uh, I just broke down and bought it because it's just that freaking good. Uh, Again, it is created by the people that made XCOM, uh, the modern XCOM. I did not like the new XCOM. I I hated it. I hated that everything had to be within a certain amount of turns so it didn't allow for an open amount of strategy like the original XCOM did. Didn't like them. Uh, This one, however, it is a card-based Almost a miniatures game that's been actionized, 
and it's been lots of fun. And between the action, there is a lot of interaction with the various Marvel heroes. You play your own hero that they've invented for this uh, called The Hunter. I am fascinated by how emotionally involved I get in, in with this game. Hmm. Especially for a game that's built around basically a board game. But the times in between where you're interacting with uh, Peter Parker or Blade or Ghost Rider or Nico or... Who? Yeah, she's one of the Runaways. Okay. It's, uh, these are all basically the dark magic characters of Marvel. Okay. Uh, in, in the modern sense. And you really start to build a relationship with these people that start to mean something to you and you start to care. And that's wild for me on this because most role-playing games, it's still a lot of numbers and crunching and hit points and so on. It's, it's not the story overall, maybe on a broad sense, rarely emotionally involved. Skyrim is about running around and collecting cheese, but this I'm very involved in the story and I I am flabbergasted by how much dialogue was recorded for this game. There is a shitload of dialogue in this game. There there are so many moments of just conversation, even just like walking up next to people and people are conversing with themselves whether you listen to it or not, fully recognized. It the world feels like a real place. Uh, it's my understanding the game's not doing well financially. Critically, it's doing great. But I guess it hasn't sold all that well. And it's a shame because it is one of the most involved games. When I play it, I end up playing it for a few hours. I know if I'm sitting down, that's what I'll be doing for a while. The random dialogue that's not on repeat is just great. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little tired of Skyrim and, you know, someone's doing a sweet throw. No, oh, yeah. it, I'm just tired of that. <laughs> but that's why I liked High on Life. Because you, you listen to these long conversations between NPCs talking about the worst shit ever. It's great. And the actors they got are great. They got the guy that plays Spider-Man in the Sony Spider-Man games to play Peter Parker. So they, they, he feels real familiar. The guy that got to play Tony Stark sounds like Iron Man for the movies. Wow. Like nails it. Everyone, just the way I envisioned all these Marvel characters to sound... They cast that with my brain in mind because, wow, impressive. I mean, Michael Jai White plays Blade. Oh, sold. So it's, nice. it's just really well done. So give it its time in court, people. It, it deserves your attention. Mm -hmm. uh, I, other than that, I've been spending a lot of time on the bench. LVO has inspired me completely. I've opened up commissions again just because I'm like, nah, I want to paint something. So if, if you're interested in uh, hiring me to commission a miniature, let me know on Discord. Uh, but probably the best place to hit me, if not there, is just uh, comments at geekshock.com email. Geekshock podcast. Oh, cock, thank you. Comments at geekshockpodcast.com. Uh, that's probably one of the better ways to, to get my attention on it. Oh, I have a question about something you said. You said collecting cheese in Skyrim. When yeah. you collected all that cheese, when mm -hmm. you're running around and you dropped it in your, uh, in your house, did you have to drop it one, one thing at a time? Yeah. Because I, I started to collect beer and wine and mead and, and try and drop it. And I dropped like 20 at a time. Oh, then it's just, it would, there's a pile of 20. And like a, yeah, a single thing with a 20 next to it. Yeah, that was lame. No, so no, I you have to do it, it one at a time. Well, what a pain in the ass that is. It's not that bad. It's bad. It adds like two seconds. Eh, not yes. bad at all. 
Torgo's House of Skulls, Torgo's House of Cheese, Torgo's House of But in the meantime, wine I've, and mead. I've been building uh, physically on my hobby table uh, the Marvel miniatures game pieces that I've collected for a little bit here and started. I put them all together this week. The ones I have is about eight figures. And so I've now primed half of them. They're getting ready to be painted. So those are those were fun to put together, but some really fiddly little bits. So uh, especially Mephisto, it was a, I, I almost lost a piece of him for good. Like a hand like fell. Like when I clipped it out of the sprue, it oh. like bounced off my stomach and into the ether. And oh, I no. never, and I didn't see it again till like two days later. I, I just happened. Luckily, it apparently bounced on one side of my desk. I, I looked in the trash cans. I looked in everything just because I thought it could have bounced anywhere in that Ugh. room. So that that's a. So if if you're uh, if you're building miniatures, you know maybe do it over tray. You know something to tape them down as you're cutting them. Or something <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, but just pieces. be just be very aware that things can fly. Things can fly. But uh, but yeah, I'm having a great little hobby time right now. Kirsten, what'd you do? Um, <clears throat> did I mention that I uh, have been reading the Oliver Stone uh, script to uh, Conan that he wrote? You, you mentioned that you... Yeah, you mentioned it in passing. Okay, but, yeah. I'm still reading on that, uh, and it's wildly crazy. It's just, it's wonderful. Wonderful, drug-fueled. Uh, and it's such a, it's so cool because you really could just file off the serial numbers and make this movie, and uh, you wouldn't get sued for it, and it'd be a crazy-ass fucking movie. What, what makes his so different? Well, he takes little bits of every single Conan story in existence. He has grabbed so many different bits of Conan stories that it's sort of like I wondered how he was ever going to conceive of sequels because he, he had mined just about every goddamn thing <laughs> for this movie. First off, the script describes the Earth. You know, it shows a map. And it shows the map changing into uh, into the Hyborian lands, but the insinuation is that it's far, far in the future, rather the past. Oh, and so they, what he's doing is Thundar the Barbarian. Actually, he kind of is. There are tons of like mutant animal men. He uh, his a lot of his uh, battle scenes uh, that mutant animal men are part of. Uh, of the the forces of evil of Thulsa Doom and Taramis and you know he there's a whole like list of villains but dude that's Thunder <laughs> well yeah but it it was it was Thunder before Thunder so you know mm. but it was a lot of it it's just crazy it is just absolutely insane a really uh really fun romp so I've been enjoying reading that script and then um. I actually, for the first time, watched The Keep. Oh, wow. Straight through. Uh, this was based uh, off of your effusive praise uh, a while ago. Um, and that's interesting just because you see all the early 80s uh, people, you know, uh, a young Ian McKellen, uh, Gabriel Byrne. Uh, Looked like he's just getting started. That movie something. was a big deal when it came out. Yeah. And then, of course, um, uh, oh, Jürgen Prochnow, who's uh, 
just a just a great uh, German actor uh, who uh, did some stuff in English, and it was very interesting. Wasn't he Stilgar in Dune? Uh, wasn't he? I yeah, don't know. I yeah. believe so. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he it, it it was it was cool. Lovecraftian, crazy anime. No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Oh, I'm, wrong. No. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Oh, okay. We're all wrong. We're all wrong. Um, and very, very 80s special effects. <laughs> oh, yes. Very, very. They did the best they could. You know, but uh, it was um, it was actually, uh, that was actually interesting. Interesting movie to watch. You know, it's not like it's unknown to have the idea of the keep that keeps something in rather than out. Um, but the approach, just the approach of it from... The German side, uh, that and Scott Glenn being the Uber dude. So, you know, it was interesting. So you would accept a, a remake of this film? Oh, I think a, a remake could definitely happen because it's, it's something that would better uh, benefit from better uh, budget and uh, today's technology and stuff like that, I think. It was Duke Leto Atreides. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know I've seen this film, but man, I can't remember a thing about it. Yeah, well, it. Yeah. I mean, the images all seem familiar that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. but no, I can't remember a thing about it. Jeff, I actually saw this movie when in high school, and uh-huh. we had it playing during uh, somebody's house party, and I didn't remember jack shit of the thing. So when I was watching it, I was seeing it for the first time, effectively. So yeah, it's it it it's not a fantastic it, it you know it's not the Star Wars of its day, um, but I definitely think it's a movie that could that could uh, stand a remake. Although now with a lot of history, what how they deal with uh, Germany in the war, because this one dealt with the older idea that the Wehrmacht and the SS were very separate, and the SS did a lot of the crimes, and that was actually Cold War propaganda because they wanted to fold West Germany into NATO. Uh, modern um, World War II scholarship, like if you watched the series World War II week by week, you would learn that the Wehrmacht was up to its earlobes in a lot of the crimes that went on during World War II. So, um, so that would be a tough, a tough uh, tightrope to walk. But... The movie itself, the concept itself, I think it could totally work. Just, you know, the, the something potentially world-ending supernaturally in the context of World War II. That's actually kind of a, you know, that could be a cool idea. So, so I did enjoy watching that. Um, for some reason, I got off on a kind of a grindhouse kick, and I watched oh. the first two Walking Tall movies. Did you now? Yeah, starring Joe Don Baker and then Walking Tall Part 2, which was starting, starring uh, Bo Svensson. And um, it was really funny because I watched them when I was a kid. That was the last time I watched them complete. What are the Walking Tall? All right. Uh, well, I remember I they, are the mo- they are the movies that deal with the life of Sheriff Buford Pusser. Pusser. A sheriff in Tennessee who actually took on the Dixie Mafia, moonshiners, and criminal organizations and actually became legendary for it. More oh. people are familiar with the, the rebate, uh, the remake yeah. with uh, Dwayne Johnson. And Dwayne Rock. Johnson isn't even Buford 
pus or yeah, it's it like a different. They, they just take the concept of walking tall and go with it. Yeah, because it's the same storyline. Yeah, but they change like all the character right. names. Yeah, but um, this was a um, a fictionalized account of something that was happening. In at the time, uh, actually, uh, Buford Presser was going to play himself in the sequel. Um, wow. Joe Don Baker, who played Pusser in the first movie, actually became friends with the family. And Pusser did die mysteriously. And so Baker would decided not to actually reprise the role. And that's when Bo Svensson stepped in. And so this was old style, 70s grindhouse violence and dealing with the criminal stuff. And it was actually, it was just, it was very interesting. This is, this is definitely like a Tarantino alley type of movie thing. And I, we had watched them on cable when I was a kid and I hadn't watched them since. So it was interesting taking that walk down and, and watching also actors and, performances in kind of you know cheap low budget grindhousey type of movies although walking tall itself was phenomenally popular i think it was a five hundred thousand dollar budget 70s money but it went on to make 20 million or something or something like that it did incredibly well so so that was interesting and weird and i actually enjoyed that did you um, say you watched the third one too? I have not watched the third one through, but See, I that's knew the, I, I knew there were two. I didn't realize there's Walking Tall right. the final chapter. Well, it was which funny. Is the third movie in that yes. series. Yes, and the second movie actually ends with the police report, the accident report for Pusser. So it talks about how he was driving and his car went out of control and he died. Um, and one of the things that's kind of suspicious about it, I mean, his family has kind of kept saying something suspicious happened, was the fact that uh, that was a previous attempt on his life. He actually lost one of his deputies when the deputy was driving a car that he was supposed to be driving, and he lost control on the road because the brake lines had been fucked with and the car crashed. But one of the, one of the Wyatt Earp things about Buford Pusser was that they killed his wife. There was an ambush on his car. He was set up, and his wife just happened to be with him when he went to go answer this call. It was not a serious call, so he didn't think anything of it. And the car was ambushed and shot up, and his wife was killed. And the men who were rumored to be involved in her death over the next few years would show up dead maybe in Arkansas, maybe in Texas, something like that. So, and it's funny because the movie doesn't quite go there. The movie shows him going after people in the context of a law enforcement officer. But apparently Pusser was actually going after people and uh, killing the men who were part of that ambush for years until he finally died. So, But he actually had a big hand in, in kind of breaking up the corruption in Tennessee, which was rampant in the 60s. There's not enough people named Buford running well, around. Well, or Pusser, for what about matter? Pusser? Yeah. <laughs> that was wow. just... Your last name's Pusser. Let's saddle my kid with a name like Buford. Buford yeah. Let's just double down on Let's that. Let's make that bastard tough. And he was... Does he have a middle name? Uh, Cletus? Phil. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, yeah, he was a huge guy, too. Well over six foot. Just a big, badass dude. So it was, it was, it was, and very tough. 
He uh, was stabbed. He was shot numerous times. He was cut up, had 200 stitches. He was put in a body cast. Over Buford over. Hayes Pusser. Yeah, Hayes. There you go. H-A-Y-S? Probably. H-A-Y-S-E. S-E? Oh, well, okay. Hold your pinky up while you take it. Buford Hayes Yeah. It, it, a very interesting story, and uh, you know, nice grindhouse violent movies. Uh, speaking of violent, I uh, saw Violent Night. Nice at Barry's. Barry, uh, I love Barry, that movie. and I took that movie in. It was kind of crazy. Barry, Barry insisted that his heart did not grow three sizes bigger. Nope. And he kept looking so, over at me every time there was a <laughs> special Christmas magic moment. Yeah, and and there, there were a couple you, of those, nope. and I would turn, and he'd be like, nope. "No." Yeah. Not happening. I think it happened. He's just hiding it. But I really enjoyed that movie. I love David Harbour. He's Did you um, did you watch Movie Bob's review of uh Violent Night? Well, now I can. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. definitely go watch it cuz it's in fact like he starts the review like it's it's a perfect film. That's it. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And then he's like, "Okay, I guess I should elaborate, but I really don't need to. And I'm like, it's, yeah, absolutely. Well, now, on the subject of perfect film, Barry did have a, it, Barry called the ending right as well, it was yeah. about to happen, and he was dissatisfied, and I was sort of like, eh, you know. Well, I mean, you knew it was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they telegraphed that for a good 20 minutes. Yeah, it just um, kind of petered out. It was lame. So, um, Barry and I discovered that the is it the Age of Conan or just Conan the Strategy Game? No, uh, Age of Conan. Age of Conan. Brought to you by Fantasy, Fantasy Flight, Flight Games. Games. Oh. And, and, and it was like midnight. Barry's like, Let, let's try to figure out a game. And <laughs> let's he, learn a new game. He pulls out this monster box and we just start digging through all the bits and pieces. And he's like, let's watch a video on how this works. <laughs> Because it looks a little complicated. It was. Sometimes you watch a video and it's like, oh, it clicks. It's yeah. easy. Dude, no, no, no. no. Not no. this time. Yeah. All the videos we found were straight garbage. Yes. Yeah, it was like the poor game didn't even merit a good Ooh. a good introductory video. Yeah. How did you come into it? So. Oh, I had that game for quite a while. I just never played it. Yeah, he was trying to break. And I'm the man. Yeah. I'm yeah. the man to break it out with. But we both sat. It was late. And we both sat there looking at it and going, yeah. I tried to break that game out when it was just me and Deb. We we're like, let's play a board game. Okay, let's try this one. Sure, I'll, I'll learn a new game. I pull it out, and then I look at the, the symbol that says Fantasy Flight on it, and I'm like, maybe not this one. <laughs> we're doomed. Let's put we're doomed. this one back. Otherwise, we're just going to have fights. And yeah. Like, yeah. Now, Barry did uh, introduce me, and uh, was it first time for Major Meh? I, I believe uh, so. Dune Imperium. So that <laughs> that was cool because that looks as complicated as Conan, but it we we managed to get it going. We watched a nice uh, serial killer presented video of how to play it. Oh, that guy! He's got some creepy pedo vibes. Oh my God! That, Staring straight at the camera. This with his guy. Big bald this guy head. did not blink. The entire twenty-minute introductory video. Creepy. And 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 Barry loved his little when he would do a cut. So he looks to the left for an aside <laughs> comment and then back. And <laughs> that's some, that's oh. some reduction value. <laughs> oh, it's got some kind of value. Oh, my goodness. So, so that was fun. I lost, but it was intriguing. I, I, got I, very, I really like that. I was that game. very interested in how the game, how the game works. So that was, uh, that was cool. 
So yeah. In case you're in case you want to know, people, it's a deck builder and a worker placement game. Yeah. Kind of all mashed together. All mashed together. Yeah. Mashy mash. And so, a lot of fun. And Dune-ish. Very Dune. Very Dune-ish. It, very it, Dune. It, yeah, it, it knows its property. Yes, yes. Very, it, it was good. It was good. And you have to aim toward a certain goal. Otherwise, you're not going to you're not gonna win the game. But it's hard to determine how, how you want to play the game until yeah. like five rounds in. And by then, ugh. Yeah, I know. You're sitting there, oh, do I want to... Do I want to focus on some combat shit? Actually, I just want to build my resources. But I found myself occasionally. Oh, I got to. I got to jump fine. in on this combat. Well, you but, can't let Barry run away with the combat. Well, no, it, I didn't win. Though, hey, so. no, it was it, Major Meh was there, so oh, okay. I, I knew Barry's not running away with anything. Yeah, no. Barry won Power Grid narrowly, narrowly, uh, and Meh won Dune handily, <laughs> quite handily. <laughs> so, so there you go. Like, well, at the, wait, end of, the end of the turn, we're like, well, look, you're going to win. There's nothing we can do. He's like, ah, just play it out. I don't want to play it out. Yeah. No point. Yeah. Be a good friggin' sport, Barry, and play it out. Jeez. Uh, yeah. I don't like fighting for second. <laughs> you did when we played. Yeah, because you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, too, because meh, you know, curious meh, he's like, so, um, how was Todd such an asshole when you played this? And Barry was just like, he was Todd. He was an asshole. He just, he did asshole stuff. And we're like, what? What did he do? He was an asshole. He, he wouldn't go into details. An asshole. Wouldn't give us details. I, I think played I've... by the rule. <laughs> asshole. News you don't give a shit about. Uh, yeah. No. Pain wow. and suffering. <laughs> AMC has come up with a new way to increase its cash flow. Oh, the God, movie theater this. chain is introducing a tiered ticket pricing system. In a report by CNBC, AMC has plans to roll out a tiered sightline pricing system for its tickets. This means that instead of all the seats within an auditorium costing the same price, rates will vary depending on which of the three tiers a given seat falls oh, into. Oh, no. Standard sightline? Value sightline and preferred sightline. So that whole thing about there's no bad seats in the house is a lie? Oh, yep. yes. <laughs> Standard seats will fall into the pricing as it's been at the theaters. Uh, value seats, those specifically in the front row, will go for a lower price. And preferred seats include a, quote, slight premium in price slight. as described by AMC. Basically, the middle of the theater. The middle <sighs> of the theater will cost more. Uh, these price differences will be displayed when selecting your tickets. Quote, while every seat at AMC delivers an amazing movie-going experience, we know there are some moviegoers who prioritize their specific seats and others who prioritize value movie-going, said AMC's chief marketing officer, Elliot Hamlish. Uh, the sightline tier system will reportedly not apply to matinee showings, and AMC Stubbs A-list members will avoid additional charges altogether if you're paying them anyway. Professor Biggs, if you are listening to us, and I know you are, cancel your Stubbs membership. Yeah, this is show them, bullshit. teach them. Ah, uh, dude, I, I read this earlier today, and I was just completely irritated with this. You, I don't usually go to AMC anyway, because the last couple yeah. of times I've been... That theater experience was less than optimal. Yes. Um, I remember you commenting that the yeah. last time we went to AMC yeah. together. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because, like, the last time we went, I was willing to give it another shot. I thought, yes. you know, maybe the last one was just a... No, it was it was the same. 
Um, and, and it could also be <laughs> that Galaxy has spoiled me so much because... Galaxy will do that to you. No, the seats no, are dude. comfortable. There's no bad seats in the house when I've been there. Deb and I, I used don't... to go to an AMC in, when we lived in Houston, and uh-huh. it, w- it wasn't the best... Yeah. It wasn't like a Galaxy Theaters, or, or you know, or it wasn't like the iPix or whatever the hell it is that they, they got in Houston. But I know that they've been shutting down theaters mm. as part of their restructuring, uh, and Whew. it's like, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, they closed one on the west side of Las Vegas, and it was a theater that's only been open like three or four years, so it's fairly new, but they shut that one down. Whoa. Uh, this tiered pricing thing is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will. and it's and it's weird because I I looked at like the 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 map that you were talking about there and where I would normally want to sit I I usually like the center line mm. seats you know more or less in the center of the screen because I like to have the movie envelop my vision uh you know my field of vision rather and those were the most expensive seats yep of course that they are. of course it, that makes sense well people and public like, outcry works. You know, it worked for D and D, but it, it worked for Netflix. Yeah. But it doesn't with AMC because right now they're struggling with their financials. They're always teetering on the verge of bankruptcy. And people like and Steve are going to let them get away damn with it. Steve, well, it's your fault. You know, it, not just Steve, but I think anybody that has a Stubbs memory. <laughs> no, Steve, Steve, just Steve. Just Steve. It's all Steve. Steve. It's Fuck just Steve. Steve. Sorry. Fuck that guy. All right, God, was communist. <laughs> but no, I just, I wow. If it and. If they're successful at this, it's going to really mean guys. Ever the theater is going to pick this up. And I, I think hate this. Idea. I have a I feeling. I have a. Uh, you know what? In retrospect, mm-hmm. right? Looking back, once they introduced uh, uh, specific seating, you would think that that valued seats and tiers were just inevitable. In fact, looking back, I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner. But I'm not the least, you know, now now that I'm hearing it, I'm like, you know what? This sounds like a natural evolution of, of, of the craziness that's going on. Because it, it does suck. And I, I'm sure shit going to hate when uh, Galaxy picks it up. Mm. You know, you've um, actually got a point there about how it's, it's surprising that it hasn't happened already. Because yeah, yeah. you talk about, you know, live theater experience. Right. All of those seats are different prices and, now. And the thing about old school movies mm-hmm. is is that it's the 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 great equalizer you right. pay your ticket yes you fight to get your good seat uh, you know one ticket gets you wherever it it's sort of like uh, the the everyman the 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 workers media right i mean the old nickelodeons were actually considered gauche and you know uncultured and so that was the whole thing about cinema is that you know there there wasn't this kind of like in theater, where you can have your balcony, you can have your mezzanine seats, you can have yeah, your orchestra, and there's, everyone in there was equal, you, you know, know, on and, equal footing. Exactly, and I have, you know, I think that, I think that uh, we're seeing what's uh, what's happening. Well, I just, I, I can only speak for myself. I will not be going to any more AMC theaters. There you go. Uh, Every other experience that I've had previous, and now this, that's I'm done with that company. Yeah. The last time I went to AMC theaters was with you and Andy, okay? Holy uh, mackerel. And, yeah, that was we, a while ago. And we went to go see Cats. I like the idea of being that Cats being the last movie I ever saw at an AMC theater. <laughs> I think that <laughs> You know, that it's, works. It's, it's actually weird, too, because... Oddly appropriate. I had a really good opinion of AMC before I moved out here. Uh, because 
almost every theater in the Kansas City area mm-hmm. is AMC out sure. there. Um, I don't remember if it's headquartered there or not, but I know that the vast majority, and they were all brand new theaters. They were all super nice, uh, good seating, good concessions, reasonably priced, et cetera, et cetera. So after moving out here, and then we didn't have any AMC theaters. Except I think we had one like on uh, the uh, near Summerlin, like basically the northwest side of town. Mm. Um, And then slowly they they. Opened some others. Yeah, it took a here while. In Vegas. I remember from my youth uh, visiting a friend in Colorado. It was AMC and Lowe's, you know. Yeah. And and I really didn't have any kind of a preference. We just no. It was really funny, you know, when you're. I I don't know if it was because it, we were that age or what, but it wasn't like, oh, this is an AMC theater. It was, yeah. Oh, this theater is cool. Yes, exactly. This theater is. Oh, we like the way this theater is set up. And, you know, and they were doing so many different things. Remember that period there where they were making theaters with the aisle running yeah. down the middle? Oh, my God. I don't the, remember that at all. Oh, my yeah. God. It, Dude, It late 80s, going into the 90s, it was this thing to make well, <laughs> new and, theaters coming up the aisle down the fucking middle. And sometimes that would be a product of they would take a larger theater and split it into two separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, things. yeah, they so, started making shoebox theaters. So you would have yeah. the you would have the the aisles on either side that would have seating close to the wall, the aisle, the very middle section, yes. aisle, and then the wall again. So what they were doing in a lot of these cases was splitting those larger theaters right down the middle. Yeah. So it didn't seem out of the ordinary that you had the aisle running down the middle of the theater because now they've made two. But it was, yeah. but then they were building new theaters with the aisle down the middle, and it just made no sense. Yeah. Thank God for the Galaxy model, whoever started coming up with that first. That, and we still need to get our... Uh, Alamo. Yes, yes we do. We Where's our need, Alamo? We need that. Oh, it's the greatest Just Mike, theater get ever. on it. Yeah, Mike, where are you with that? I did one of those in Florida... Way back when my brother and sister in law took me to that place and I was just like, This is this is fucking weird. How do you watch this? This doesn't make any real sense. But it was actually a cool experience. Keep in mind that you cannot simply replicate that just by serving food in a theater. Yeah. You could have an Alamo draft house anywhere and call it something like cinema dinner theater. There's there's a company like that in Houston, and we went to one. And it's crap compared to Alamo. The love on Alamo is all the people, how they will straight up kick your ass out for for talking, uh, specific things about the food and beer, and just the fun shit that they play before the movie. We saw Conan the Barbarian there, the uh, the 80-something, the 30-year release. Um, Okay, first they were playing Conan the Librarian beforehand (laughs) and all kinds of fun Conan stuff. Yeah. And a little Thundar the Barbarian as well. Oh. You know? And then, of course, when the movie started, people were quoting the thing. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius was an age undreamed of. That thing. The whole speech. I'm waiting Everyone for him to say it went full Rocky and some guy in a loincloth got up front. and <laughs> It was a little late in the day for that. <laughs> it's about love. It's about love of the movie and and respect and joy and celebration it's that's the difference and also there are saturday morning cartoons with free with the unlimited breakfast cereal see see it's wonderful yeah wow news you don't give a shit about arthur mitchell better known as trinity killer 
who was introduced in Dexter Season 4, could be getting his own spinoff series on Showtime. The report comes from the Wall Street Journal, and Showtime is considering spinoffs based on the backstories of other characters from the Dexter franchise as well. Uh, despite John Lithgow's iconic portrayal, it seems unlikely he'll return in the role of Trinity Killer since he's aged 15 years since filming. Uh, it's also been previously revealed that we might get a prequel series based on Dexter's younger years. So if, if you like Dexter and, and you want more Dexter but other Dexter, you, you might get it. Yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting announcement because I remember when this, the, the Dexter New Blood series finished, it really did feel like that was it. And I'm, at the time, I remember watching it feeling like they were setting up a, uh, a sequel series to star Dexter's son Harrison as a you know, serial killer as well, which apparently they were, but it only recently got picked up. So now we could have the younger Dexter series. We could have the Dexter series featuring the Trinity Killer and the Dexter follow-up series featuring... Harrison. So it's like suddenly out of nowhere. It's like they're really trying to figure out what to do with the uh, now that they have rebranded it. Uh, you know, was it Paramount Plus with Showtime? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's and weird. I like Dexter. I, I, I thought it was a very, very good yes. show. And season four, the Trinity Killer season, is the best season of oh, Dexter yeah. That's by got, far. That has some crazy mind fucks in it where you're just like, oh my God. It's phenomenal. I don't know if it Lithgow, needs its own series. Oh, Lithgow is just so fan. I mean, Lithgow is yeah. fantastic in just about everything he does, but he really owns that character yeah. in season four. So, News you don't give a shit about. A federal judge has dismissed a class action lawsuit from parents who had taken legal action against Nintendo for the Switch's Joy-Con drift issue. Uh, unhappy Nintendo fans have been filing class action lawsuits since way back in 2019 when Joy-Con drift, that's a term applied for when controllers detect a directional input when none is being applied, first came to light. Uh, though not usually game-breaking, it's often frustrating defect that will send your camera spinning ever so slightly to one side for no reason. Oh, God, my Xbox does that, but I, that's because something's loose in the controller. The, the dismissal has nothing to do with the rights or wrongs of Nintendo and Joy-Con Drift itself, but instead states that because players agreed to Nintendo's end-user license agreement... Uh, arbitration clause, they, they right? Had, they had also agreed not to take legal action against the company. Although the plaintiffs argued that the players, their children, could not knowingly agree to the terms of that license, the judge disagreed and said that as de facto owners of the Switch system, the parents had signed up to the terms that disallow lawsuits. And this means, of course, that the parents should have sought legal arbitration rather than pursue a lawsuit. God damn it. You know what? Uh, let's go ahead and embrace the end user license agreement all the way through. As, as a world, let's just, if it's, it's, it's a sucky thing, it's like, if you play our game, you have to agree to this thing. If you don't agree to this thing, you don't get to play our game. Yeah. That's it. So you bought it. Go ahead and return it if you don't want to agree to all this stuff that you should read but won't. So let's just turn on our head. Let's make it so that 
if you are a restaurant, just put a sign outside your door saying, if you walk into this building, you are agreeing to this end user license agreement by walking in there. We are exempt from you suing us. You have to go through arbitration uh, by listening to this podcast. Uh, you are, at, from this point on, agreeing to our end user license agreement. Uh, that means that if you take offense with anything that happens on here, and it's very possible you may, uh, then uh, unfortunately you cannot sue us going forward on this because by listening further, you have agreed to this. To it's a legally binding agreement and arbitration is done by Barry. So you're no. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's just go ahead and embrace it as a society and until it becomes something that has to end. I'm going to take that a step further. If you listen to this in the vicinity of your significant other, any disputes you have will also be arbitrated. By me, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the mandatory mandatory arbitration clause in a lot of those contracts is just that ridiculous. shit needs to be outlawed. That's a lot of garbage. And, and you can't even do it as a group arbitration. It has to be an individual arbitration. Right. So everybody that's having the problem, they can't seek class action status in the courts, and they can't do a group arbitration. They have to go one at a time. Yeah. And of course, the company that has the end user license agreement usually gets to pick the arbitrator. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I picked Barry. Uh, what was it? <laughs> Last week tonight with John Oliver, I think, is when they were, they pointed out that something like 75% of arbitrations, the arbitrator sides with the well, person that hires them. They're yeah. on the payroll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you I, could just call me fair and balanced blarg. I'm not going to call you that. <laughs> Never going to call you that. <laughs> I... Uh, I wish we could institute a, a prima nocta and <laughs> and end user uh, uh, consumer agreement where if you accept my funds to pay for your service, you agree to the following. Oh, there are a few states that have tried to enact that uh, those types of things. They've uh, there's not that many that have accomplished it or, or gone forward, have gotten it in through the courts to do it, but they are trying to do kind of a consumer's uh, bill of rights kind of thing mm -hmm. where where if it. there's a certain number of people that are experiencing the same issue, it automatically invalidates the arbitration clause That's and nice. allows them to seek uh, class action status. I think California is one of the few that... That has that, but well, that's, it's like that, and like a yeah. few New England states, like Massachusetts. Unfortunately, but, that's that's kind of sad because California is falling apart, but yeah. <laughs> it's getting ready to fall into the sea, sadly. But um, yeah, we we need to we we need something because the well, arbitration clause is a load of horseshit, and it all that stuff boxes you into this thing. Well, I mean, consumers have had their rights slowly stripped away for nigh on 40 years you know as the as the corporations get more and more power they find interesting little ways to make it so that you can't seek any kind of legal relief for anything that they've done even mm -hmm. if it's if even if you have all the documented proof in the world you still have to go through right their rules to get yeah. at it and it's really sad arbitration by vlog I love this idea. Fair and balanced, Barry. That's right. Weekend geek. Hooray! Yay! All right. 
Uh, we we got to lead with this story. DC Studios CEO James Gunn and Peter Safran had some help developing their plans for the future of the DC Cinematic Universe. There was a brain trust that they put together that consisted of a few fan-favorite movie, TV, and comic writers. Gunn revealed that Drew Goddard, who's behind Cloverfield and Cabin in the Woods, Jeremy Slater, who's behind Moon Knight, Christina Hodson, who did The Flash, Batgirl, and Birds of Prey, uh, Crystal Henry, who did HBO's Watchmen, and comics writer Tom King, who wrote Batman and Batman slash Catwoman, all contributed to helping set up the DCU. Gunn and Saffron have revealed the first slate of upcoming film and TV projects. Uh, Let's go ahead and take them one at a time and see how we feel about each one of them. And uh, most of this is going to be just from quotes from Gunn himself. Uh, Superman Legacy, quote, This is really the start of DCU. It is not an origin story. It focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. He is the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. He is kindness in a world that thinks of kindness as old-fashioned, unquote. So Superman legacy. We're getting a Superman, not an origin story. Good. I'm fine with this. Yes. I'm. Honestly, I'm tired of all the origin stories. You know, a lot of these characters are well-known enough that you can just launch right into a mm-hmm. a standalone story. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not even the biggest Superman fan, but I'm actually excited about this film. Uh, no offense, Professor Biggs, Batman's still my favorite character in the DCU, but uh, <laughs> it's... As a DC fan, I I'm excited to see where they're going with a lot of this stuff. And I know we're going to address this one by one, but I did watch that full video presentation where James Gunn kind of laid out all the stuff that they want to do. And I actually had a smile on my face the whole time I'm watching it because it, for the first time, felt like there was a plan. And that it's a <laughs> yeah. plan that it most likely will get executed the way they want it to. Now, I will admit... Studio heads change, people get fired, people get hired, people get shifted onto other projects. There's always the possibility that this won't happen the way that he and Saffron plan, but at least as of right now, what I've heard, I'm very happy. All right, next up, Batman, the Brave and the Bold. Quote, so this is the introduction of the DCU Batman, Bruce Wayne, and also introducing our favorite Robin, Damian Wayne, who is a little son of a bitch, assassin murderer, who he unwittingly takes on, who's Batman's actual son, that he doesn't know exists for the first eight to ten years of his life, and he brings into his life, and this is the story. It's a very strange sort of father-son story about the two of them, and it's based on Grant Morrison's run on the Batman. There's a couple of comic book writers that have been exceptionally influential on our stuff, and Grant Morrison and Tom King are probably the two primary ones, unquote. I like Damian Wayne a lot. It's it's such an interesting character. I mean, he's frequently trying to kill Bruce. So, uh, well, I should say, depending on which storyline you read, but yeah, it's it's he's a, he's an interesting Robin. Hmm. I was just like our favorite Robin. Uh, <coughs> James Gunn really likes. Oh, yeah, this is Damian a, Wayne is Robin. All right. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you think more direct. His quote. favorite Robin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, when he says R, well, it's him and Saffron. Him and Saffron, because I guess they've had oh. many conversations about that's the yeah. that's the version of Robin that they like a lot. Hmm. I'm fine with that. After the last outing of Robin, I'm 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 okay with this. 
Whatever. Batman. You, you, whatever. You're not you're not a fan of Kane of this idea? I I it's Maybe you're like me. Little Batman overload. Well, no, it's not so that many Batman films. Not not you know, there's so many, but uh they tend to, you know, accepting certain points of the Keaton verse, right? Uh, they tend to be well made, so you know I like the Nolan Batman's. I liked what uh, I like Pattinson's Batman there, so you know. But it's just I liked Affleck as Batman. I yeah. was very sad when he pulled out of that. Uh, but I I'm just like, eh, you know, DC Superman Batman, yay, whatever. <laughs> Next up, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Uh, quote, next up is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. This is based on Tom King's wonderful comic book series that came out just last year. It's up for a bunch of awards. This is a very different type of Supergirl. In our series, we see the difference between Superman, who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents from the time as an infant, versus Supergirl, who was raised on a rock chip of Krypton and watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life, and then came to Earth when she was a young girl and is much more hardcore. So it's not exactly the Supergirl we're used to seeing, unquote. Haven't read Tom King's stuff. I don't know this new iteration of Supergirl. I do find it interesting. Yeah. I think it's a neat idea of more of a what if Superman had this upbringing instead kind of idea. Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've read that one either, but um the the story sounds interesting. I'm you know, it's different enough that I think it's got potential to be a good mix to what they plan to do with the DCU. And next up, Paradise Lost. Quote, Paradise Lost is a series. It's going to be a Game of Thrones-esque story about Themyscira, Paradise Island, the home of the Amazons, and also the birthplace of Wonder Woman. This drama, it's really about the political intrigue behind a society of all women. How did that come about? What is the origin of that, of an island of all women? What are the beautiful truths and the ugly truths behind all that? And what's the scheming like between the different power players in that society? It takes place before the birth of Diana, so it's an earlier history of Themyscira. Desperate Housewives of Themyscira. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know about this one, but I'll watch it. Yeah, why are we do? I mean, okay, uh, why are we're doing Wonder Woman without Wonder Woman? All right. Why? Okay. I don't know the why. Before. <laughs> Obviously, they they have some kind of plan for this. Yeah, I'll watch but, it. But I, I understand I the question: Why? Steve really needs to be here because I'm sure he's read a lot of this stuff. Um, they did a show about Alfred for fuck's sake. Why not? Well, yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it is the mascara is kind of high fantasy in the Greek tradition. Well, sure. Yep. I mean, that could be you know that could be very interesting. So that's true. But I'm just like. Okay, I mean, shit. Let's let's do some Krypton. Then let's do some Daxam. Let's have some Daxamites. Oh my you know, I I, I don't wow. know. Wow. Let, let's I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Next. <laughs> the the next three are the ones that really grabbed me. The Deep next cut. three brought me on board for sure. First up, Booster Gold. <laughs> Quote: This is an absolute fan favorite. It's about a loser from the future who used uses basic future technology to come back to today and pretend to be a superhero. It's a series like all the other series for HBO Max. Booster Gold is imposter syndrome as a superhero, unquote. 
I like Booster Gold. It is such an interesting character. <laughs> it's I, I, I like my character's flawed, and he is super flawed. Well, I mean, it's it's funny too because he's got this this robust, I guess, arrogance. Yes, and it's really undeserved. No, it's well, it's a false bravado. Yeah, exactly, and it's so funny the kind of shit he gets himself into. Uh, not even just in the comics, but in the live action portrayals of the character. It's I like people. It's that, a fun character. I like characters that are being heroes, but not necessarily for the right reasons. Ex- or yeah, intentions. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think also Booster is kind of interesting because he's like the kid's fantasy of, oh man, if I had a Legion flight ring and if I had Brainiac's force field belt, I could just, you know, zip around and be a hero. And sure. that's actually exactly what he does. Oh. He, he breaks into the museum and he steals a bunch of artifacts and then he goes back, back in, in time, time to yeah. be a, a big shot. Got to get back in time. <laughs> True. It's the kind of the same idea of the, they had a time machine where you go back and do witness history and then you would be considered an alien god for all the things that you were able to do right. that mm-hmm. were considered magic at that time. So, yeah, yeah, it's the same This idea. is my boomstick. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> it's Ash. It's it's it's, it's evil, evil yeah, Actually, yeah, Booster, Booster is, evil is very Ash. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, Lanterns. Quote, Lanterns is a huge HBO quality TV event. It's already in development, and our vision for this is very much in the vein of True Detective. It's terrestrial-based. It's got two of our favorite Green Lanterns, Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, starring that's in a True Detective-style type mystery, and it plays a really big role leading into the main story that we're telling across our film and television. So this is a very important show for us, unquote. Uh, I'm actually very excited about this one because... When I when I was hearing him pitch it, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go, another just Hal Jordan story. But as soon as he said it was both Hal and John Stewart, I was very excited because I feel like we haven't really gotten enough, even reference to John Stewart in the kind of the modern DC cinematic stuff. Yeah. So you think, or even the, the television stuff, huh? Hmm? You think they'll have the other guy too? Eventually. And that, that gives me a lot but of hope. Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner. If they're yeah. doing lanterns, yeah. I mean, and I hope they do John Stewart right. Yes, which is, um, absolutely. By which I mean inspired by the animated series. Oh my God, that that he was my favorite lantern. He was done it, very yeah. well. I was really pissed they weren't using Jordan, but that character won me over and worked out. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I think Barry's referring to Kyle Rayner. I think that's the one that Barry. There was. you go, <laughs> Kyle. Yeah, Chip. Yes. The 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 raccoon. Uh, Oh, yes. Yeah, you know. They got to have Mogo. Mogo, Kilowog. My favorite, Tomar Ray. He's the one with the beak and the yeah, yeah. fin head. Right. Um, yeah, I love the Green Lanterns. That's my one of my favorite aspects of DC. So it'll be fun to see how this goes. And I mean, true detective. That's I a, like That's it. an interesting yeah. spin to this. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it less as they're doing detective work. And I, I'm taking it that every season will be like, mixtures of different lanterns maybe i can get behind this yeah yeah but especially if this is where they're kind of kicking off the larger story yeah it's interesting where this falls in yeah. and then the next one which i'm actually very excited about uh, the authority finally barry is excited about a dc film <laughs> <laughs> 
Quote, they're great Wildstorm characters that were incredibly popular for a long time. Oh, yeah. And we're incorporating them into the DCU. And one of the things with the DCU is it isn't just a story of heroes and villains. And not every movie and TV show is going to be about good guy versus bad guy. Giant thing from the sky comes and good guy wins. There are black hats, white hats, and gray hats. There are people that are anti-heroes. There are people that are very, very questionable, like the authority, who basically believe that you can't fix the world in an easy manner, and they sort of take things into their own hands. They take the authority and start to do what they think is the right thing. The authority is fucked up. The authority is mm. totally fucked up, and I love it. I don't, I don't know how they're going to fold this into their... Right, without being like an Elseworlds thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but hey, stick it, you know, throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. Yeah. Well, I know how they're going to do it because they can, you know, tack through the bleed and go into whatever world it is that oh, yeah, true. maybe yeah. either that or the authority is going to be there and it's going to be really vicious and the Justice League will form to counter them and eventually deal with them. That's that's a possibility. If you're not familiar with the authority, uh, what if the the entire Justice League decided the world wasn't being run right and decided to take it over? Yeah. And Batman and Superman are gay for each other. Oh yeah, big time. That that's the that's how you would phrase it, basically. And then there's the last one, the the one like, okay, you do this, I'll I'll see what it's about. Creature commandos. Quote, animation will lead into live action and back into animation. It's a way to tell stories that are gigantic and huge without spending $50 million an episode. A gun has written this. It's done. Creature Commandos is comprised of military superhumans, including a human leader, a werewolf, a vampire, Frankenstein's monster, and a gorgon. Uh, Gunn pointed out that Weasel from his Suicide Squad will be on the show. This band of misfits were introduced in Weird War Tales 93 back in 1980, created by J.M. DeMatteis and Pat Broderick. Uh, this is the only one of the ones announced that I just don't know about, mm. but I'm definitely going to give it a shot if, if Gunn wrote it. So yeah. if, if it tickles Gunn, I'm interested. Yeah, exactly. That's mm. That was kind of my take on it as well. He, he, he does well with the weirdies. He really does. So, yes. No love for Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew? <laughs> I, I, under gun, I, I, I would believe it. I, actually, actually, yeah, I feel like nothing is off the table. Or Spider-Ham. You know. And all the other ancillary characters from Spider-Ham. Well, that's Marvel. They yeah. kind of touched oh, wait. a little bit. Sorry. Yeah, and Spider-Ham was in uh, yeah. Yeah. Into yeah. the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And is apparently in it again in the, the There's a sequel whole bunch of other characters there. Yeah. Oh, there are. There's the, there's the whole Spider-Ham universe. No doubt about it. So, but that's Marvel, Marvel, you got you to gotta get on it. You know, before he comes out with the Peter game. Oh, but that's not all. I actually had to explain to somebody at work the other day that Peter Porker smash, slash Spider Ham is a real character yeah. in the Marvel universe. They're like, "What?" I'm like, "It's in the comics. It's in there." Uh, also, Waller. Quote, we're using the same actors, and this is a continuation of Peacemaker. I'm working on Superman, so we can't do so we can't do Peacemaker Season 2. We're working on Waller in between, unquote, Gunn said. Uh, Crystal Henry, who did Watchmen, is writing the show. Jeremy Carver, uh, with Jeremy Carver, who created Doom Patrol. So Waller continues the Peacemaker story. It's uh, Viola Davis. Yes. She was amazing in The Woman King. I didn't see that. You should. It's okay. good. And we end off with Swamp Thing. 
Quote, and then the final film that we want to mention is Swamp Thing, because we want to point out that these stories, though they're interconnected, are not all totally the same. So each set of filmmakers brings their own aesthetic to these films, and the fun is seeing how these totally different worlds will mash up in the future. So it investigates the dark origins of the Swamp Thing, so totally different from Superman or Batman or Robin, etc. Unquote. Uh, This darker character will interact with the mainstream DC characters, so... Surprise, it's Kermit the Frog. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So continuing with the finish of it, uh, some rules that the uh, duo will abide by in creating their universe. Anyone cast on the DC TV side as a character will also respectively play that character on the film side. Uh, No one actor will play two parts, so no, Momoa is not going to be playing Lobo. An exception is anything outside the DC universe. He and Peter Saffron are creating, and Guns lists uh, Todd Phillips' Joker and Teen Titans Go. These are considered, quote, Elseworlds yeah. content, which is apparently still a thing. Hmm. Yeah, well, at least I'm, they I'm make that, that distinction yeah. now. I'm, I'm glad they finally did that because, uh, yeah, um, there's so many things that they have coming up that obviously it's too late to cancel, but... Uh, I did like where he referenced that the Flash is going to kind of reset everything, or or at least it it lays the ground rules for the their version of the DC universe going forward. It seems like the way to do it. Because yeah, that's what Flashpoint was, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I'm I'm actually very excited to see what they do with this going forward. Uh, the announcement I thought was fantastic. Um, I just I I wish all of these people that are throwing fits would just wait until the movies <laughs> slash TV series get out and then Jeff they're making look at it from them they're making far too much slash little money yeah yelling at the internet so right. it's, it's it's all a big grift I get it it's just it's disheartening that they're like oh they're they're tearing everything up it's all gonna be bad it's gonna be terrible and I'm like well. It hasn't been great up to this point. <laughs> so, yep. I mean, there's been some some bright spots here and there, but I mean, the overall product has been crap. Yeah. The best so, stuff has been the stuff that moved away from the central storyline. So, I'm at this point willing to see what they want to do and then go from there as opposed to just going, "Oh, it's going to be terrible." When are we going to have hope, man. right? Where's my plastic man? Right? Give it time. Yeah. Well, I mean, which one? Plastic Man, Elongated Man? No, Plastic Man. Yeah. <laughs> elongated Man is just lame. <laughs> Warner Brothers has snagged up the rights to Stephen King's novel Billy Summers, and J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot and Leonardo DiCaprio's Appian Way will produce the adaptation. Now, we did do Billy Summers in our Red Light, Green Light. I believe we greened it. I believe so. Uh, the screenplay is being written by Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz. Originally slated as a 10-episode series, the creative team has decided that Billy Summers will end better served as a feature film. So the story centers on Billy Summers, in case you forgot, quote, a hitman who is looking to retire and takes one last highly lucrative job. The job requires him to embed himself in a quiet town where he pretends to be an aspiring writer. He sets up an office with a direct view of where hitman Joel Allen will be delivered to face trial for shooting two men during a poker game. Allen has also committed enough murders for some high-level mobsters to be scared the gunman will incriminate his former employees. 
to lessen his sentence. Summers, a meticulous craftsman, becomes more and more cynical about the mobsters who've hired him, and his skepticism is well-warranted as things go awry following the job's completion. Uh, Bad Robot's previous projects include Lizzie's Story, Castle Rock, and 11-22-63. So, Billy Summers, no longer a TV show, now a feature film going forward, and DiCaprio's involved quite strongly and looks like he might be cast as the lead character. Hmm. Very cool. All right. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Critical Role and Amazon Studios have announced that they will continue to work together with a multi-year TV and film deal. That includes the news that they're also developing a Mighty Nine series. A Mighty Nine is an animated ad- adaptation of Critical Role's second campaign. It will go into production soon. Critical Role will produce the series under its production batter, Metapigeon which is where all their other original TV shows, films, and other content will be developed. They will also develop projects both, quote, in and outside the Critical Role universe, unquote, as part of their first look deal. Uh, season two of The Legend of Vox Machina is, Machina is currently airing on Prime Video with new episodes dropping every week. Yeah. So the, I, the, the animated series is fun. It's great. So they're going to be producing more. It's amazing watching these guys just uh, roll off the, the, the actual play vids and create this little empire. It's glorious. I love so, to see it happen. Yeah. This is, this, if, if I could go back to my younger self and, and, and show that this is what the future holds, mm. you know. So when my mom tries to take away my D&D books, yeah. mm-hmm. I could say, no, this is professional in the future. You let this develop. Yeah. You let me be me. <laughs> and then she'd take him anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 the devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the devil. Debu. This is interesting. The long-dead woolly mammoth will make its return from extinction by 2027. Can we buy one? Says Colossal, the biotech company actively working to reincarnate the furry elephant. Reincarnate. Uh, last year, the Dallas-based firm scored an additional $60 million in funding. If successful, not only will Colossal bring back an extinct species, but it will also reintroduce the woolly mammoth to the same ecosystem in which it once lived in an effort to fight climate change, according to the recent Medium post. Uh, Colossal calls the woolly mammoth's vast migration patterns an active part of preserving the health of the Arctic. And so bringing the animal back to life will have a beneficial impact on the health of the world's ecosystem. While Colossal originally hoped to reintroduce the woolly mammoth into Siberia, the company may explore other options based on the current political framework of framework of the world. We're going to save the world by reintroducing it to its natural habitat, except we're not. <laughs> the woolly mammoth's DNA is 99.6% matched to the Asian elephant. Uh, though G- through gene editing, colossal scientists will eventually create an embryo of the woolly mammoth. They will place the embryo in an African elephant to give birth to the new woolly mammoth. The eventual goal is to then repopulate parts of the Arctic with the new woolly mammoth and strengthen local plant life with the migration patterns and dietary habits of the beast. As a part of this new round of funding, the company has also announced the launch of its avian genomics group with the goal of resurrecting the dodo. I, this is the one I just read the other day, the one you're talking about right now, the dodo. I'm excited by all of this for so many reasons. If Colossal proves successful in reincarnating the woolly mammoth or the dodo. Well, will we mammoth? The woolly mammoth. Will we mammoth? Expect a variety of new ethical questions to arrive on how to handle the creature and ethical potential uh, reintroduction issues. 
Yeah, it, it, it it's so funny. I was re- I literally was just reading the article about re uh, uh, reintroducing the dodo and how the actual gene editing part was not as much of a problem as apparently it's it's easier to quote unquote clone mammals because you know the gestation you know in in a some form of uterus whereas with the egg based uh avians they had to try to figure out a way to find a um an egg that's compatible with that mm. dna and then inject it into the egg mm. and then allow it to gestate in there so it's uh it's a, it's apparently for a, a simpler genetically speaking creature it's more difficult to get it you know hatched i thought that was kind of interesting i'm severely interested in this not so much ecologically as it is gastronomically <laughs> you, want, you want to know what a dodo tastes like right? i want to eat mammoth i want to eat dodo i want to eat california condor i want to eat komodo dragon I want to eat endangered species without the guilt. <laughs> Gobble it all up, kids. We'll print more. That's amazing. Did you just recently watch Matthew Broderick and the Freshman? Is that where this eating extinct species thing is coming from? No, but I've wanted to ever since I watched that film, which was many, many uh, years ago. Uh, good film, by the way. Uh, still still holds up. Yeah. I, I, I want to eat them. And then, of course, there's the Jurassic Park, you know, uh, idea. You know, you got a mammoth. You know, you got dodos. Why can't we bring back other things? Well, they're, they're apparently other birds, right? So uh, like, they can do the uh, dodo. They, they can, can do uh, right. Velociraptor. They can yeah. do a tyrannosaur. Something a little meaty. Uh, yeah. Velociraptor seems a little thin. The, uh, Why the, would you bring that back? South American terror bird. I don't even know what that is, but that sounds delicious. It was it in in its time. It was the apex predator on in South America, and it was like a a six foot. Really? T- it was almost like an ostrich, six foot tall, murder beak with teeth. The name kind of turns people off. Yeah, I, I like it. But I we think... need to replace cows. Cows are killing America. They are they are an exotic animal. They were never meant to be brought over. By all rights, they should be eaten bison and elk. What's the thing that we can bring back that was gone from... Oh, the, the, uh, the longhorn bison. Okay, we can bring back that yeah. and eat it. <laughs> we just... already eat bison. Well, another... The woolly rhino? Sure. Steg- the stegosaurus, those, <laughs> those, those, those scales. I wonder if those can be cooked separately. And, uh, they're, <laughs> they're osteoderms. Oh. I don't even know what that means, but I love it. <laughs> I'm sure it's delicious. <laughs> It's like it's, it's like bone. eating rhino horn. It's bone. It, it literally translates to bone skin. Yeah. Oh, ew. In, <laughs> in Latin. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't, I don't like bone Sexy. skin. My God. Just, just, there's some meat on those triceratops, though, right? They, they look, they don't look fuck of, with my triceratops. Yeah. They're cool. Brontosaurs. A brachiosaurus. Yeah, sure. They'll they'll. Brontosaurs, and they're vegetarians. Eat a turret. Oh, let's herbivores. Eat, let's eat vegetarians. I'm all for that. <laughs> grass-fed. That's right. They right. are. They're already grass-fed. What exotic <laughs> animal would you eat, you horrible person? Write to us. Comments at geekshockpodcast.com. <laughs> What's wrong with eating exotic animals? <laughs> I like In my, exotic places? <laughs> I, like, I like to eat pussy that's been grass-fed. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, on that note, <laughs> I want to thank you, our Kirsten. tier three members, Danskex Laza, Daniel Loser, Snoop2, Elizabeth W., Gabriel Adame, Adrian Kirsch, Major Man, Michael Hoffman, Azrael175, Mohan Nair, The Microscope, Steve Biggs, Elena Nup, uh, Kenton Miller, Asia Shakai. Oh, wait, Asia Shockey. Asia yes. Shockey. Asia Shockey. Okay. Yes. Alexander West and Gomer Geek. Thank you for supporting the show. And of course, our tier four members, King Vol, Deb T, David Farrar, J.R. Kunkel, and tier five members, Jeff Harris, Ozzy Matt, Mad Martron, Glemley, and Atomic Gumby. When it's available, tier five members get to come with me and eat a blue whale. <laughs> uh. <sighs> a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. It's called The Burning Light. You can find his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, you, our dear listener, thank you for joining us. Until next time, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. But you have to think about it? Yeah, I was going to be like Carnivorous K or... And Vlarg. Only eating grass-fed K. I don't know. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. I know for a fact you are not grass-fed. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say I was. I said only. No, he only eats the grass fed. Yeah. Okay. You know. Okay. It's, it's the healthy way of doing it. What about like orca? Could you eat those? Well, probably. They're not endangered, are they? Or maybe they are. Wow, he's he's well, just... She's, she's just naming things. I, so I, I, I naming like, things he hasn't eaten. I, I like how... about how, wombat? How about I have some wombat? It, it, okay. seems, it seems like in, endangered is the criterion, though. <laughs> it's like if, they're, if it's plentiful, meh. <laughs> we can skip that. It's like really expensive, rare whiskey. You know, that 50-year whiskey may not be, it may be just a little bit better than the 25-year whiskey, but you're paying for the rarity. Mm. You know, the the once-in-a-lifetime experience. Oh, I, okay. Now so, I want to watch The Freshman again. So, so you don't want to like have, you know, harvest or farm megalodon so everyone can have a shark steak. You want to participate in the specialness of it. Well, the first time, and then let's make it commercially available and viable. <laughs> and really, what you have to do is, is make them so that they're, they're, they're good to eat because in the beginning, they're just going to be gamey. You know, they're going to be lean. Endangered and- cuisine. Barry tested. Barry approved. It's, it's not ethically wrong. Oh, if yeah, we it is. bred them for, like, you know, reintroduced them and made them non-endangered uh, and made them farm animals food animals <laughs> boy i hope he and never... they call me the asshole I, no I, it's not, I, it's not i hope that. he i never gets gets a wild hair about chimp or gorilla or you <laughs> he know. probably already has it long pig <laughs> yeah long pig is what they call it and i know that one day it's gonna get cold and we're gonna be out of food and uh, we'll and devil eat you? Uh, yeah, I might be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. It's easier to catch the shorter people. Height joke. <laughs> <laughs>